Welcome to the Coaching Matters Podcast brought to you by Fundraising University and Brian Kane Peak Performance. Coaching Matters is a nonprofit foundation whose primary purpose is to help coaches, athletes, and activities directors succeed in their programs, schools, and communities. Fundraising University works to help you raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of interference to support coaches and activities directors in enhancing the student experience and life skill development that is a critical component of our educational systems. Brian Kane, one of the world's leading mental performance coaches, works to educate, empower, and energize you to be your best through his 10 pillars of mental performance mastery systems. Together, each week, we bring you interviews, question and answer sessions, and group coaching around mastering mental performance, creating elite culture, and developing the leadership skills you need to succeed. And now, this week's Coaching Matters podcast. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, host of the Coaching Matters group coaching program here and super excited for tonight's call with Mike Bahoon. He's a baseball coach at the University of Michigan. He's the CEO of Fundraising University and excited tonight to learn about leadership development through the 10 pillars of mental performance mastery. Mike, thanks for joining us here tonight, man. And thanks for being the sponsor of the Coaching Matters group coaching program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. And welcome to everybody um, that's out there. Pleasure to have you. Yeah. So, you know, Mike, I'm really excited, I think, to, to get going in tonight's call on leadership and, you know, some of the characteristics of great leaders and really some of the things that are our, our participants on tonight's call can do to develop their leadership skill. And I think that's one of the things that is most important for our people to understand tonight is they're looking for their takeaway is what is something that they can do to develop their leadership skill. So Mike, if you maybe to get us started, maybe go back and kind of talk about your pathway into how you got to where you are as you know CEO of fundraising university and a division one college baseball coach and kind of the influence that leadership has had on, on your trajectory as a coach and a CEO. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Brian. There's definitely a symbiotic relationship with it. And thanks everybody for being here. Uh, we, we wanted to create an environment through fundraising university where we could get people that are business entrepreneurs, coaches, uh, whoever it was, parents that could get all in one place and we can all develop as leaders. So we come into this as, uh, you know, guys that don't know the answers, but w- willing to give and uh, willing to build relationships. So thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Brian, you know, leadership's always been important to me. It really just started when um, leaders came into my life, you know, not to to share too much, but, you know, I come from a, an inner city, single parent household situation where I kind of bounced around between you know, my grandma and my mom and, and looking back, you know, who knows, you know, what else and coaches came into my life. And, and that's where, you know, that's, that's my definition of leadership as coaches. So I had that experience, the structure, the team, you know, everything that comes with athletics w- was just there. And the inspiration for me was then to become a coach and to become a leader and always love business. And that's why this relationship with fundraising university and coaching and leadership and kids and all that. It's just, I just get to live a dream every single day. You know, I get to give back to people what's been given to me. And there's, you know, a million Mike Mahoons and Brian Canes and, and all these other people in the world that have been influenced by sports. And, and I really believe that, that some of the best leaders um, in America are coaches. And I, I think sometimes um, that's not seen. And I'd like to kind of, uh, you know, unveil what's behind the curtain a little bit. I, I personally believe that the last two guys that I coached with, you know, the current one that I'm coaching with and the last guy I coached with, I think they could be 
uh, high level leaders of major organizations and business as well. And I think that leadership, who you are and how you go about it, it doesn't matter if you're a coach or a business person. And uh, I'm happy to uncover and unpack some of the traits, Brian, that you've taught me and that we can just share with others and, and go down this journey together to get better. Yeah. I mean, Mike, one of the things that, that really sticks out to me the most when we're you know talking about leadership and, and really specifically, you know, you and our relationship here for the last couple of years is, you know, this concept that, that leaders are readers and leaders are continually working on themselves, right? Understanding that the best investment that you can make is into you. And, you know, you've gone through our, our certified mental performance coaches program. You've gone through the wealth factory entrepreneur finance program. You've got an MBA, you know, you're, you're, you've gone through and done your doctorate work, your action selling certified, your ownership spirit certified. And, you know, all of that that you put in takes time and is really an investment into yourself and to your skill set. So why the importance as a leader or an entrepreneur to continue to build your own skill and work on yourself? Why is that so important? Yeah. Number one, I enjoy it. You know, and number two, I think I've got good self-awareness. I realize that there's just so many places that I could get better. And I know that a lot of people are counting on me to be successful and help them be successful. So just that responsibility to the, whether it be the kids that I was coaching um, the organization that I that I get to lead my own kids, you know, if if you're not getting better all the time, you're going backwards. And I think sometimes, um, you know, that just desire to improve and that desire to kind of see what you're capable of, and and really, I'm just you know, I'm just on a journey to chase my own potential and see what I'm capable of. You know, there's there's nothing uh, there's nothing exciting or magic that anybody's going to hear tonight. There won't be anything super dynamic. There, I don't have any magic formulas, but. Um, caring a lot, not being afraid to work and just an understanding that you've just always got to be looking to get better at the next thing. And then I can tell you that every single one of those things that you mentioned, um, they've all just kind of come together a little bit slowly over time. You know, it started with, um, the ownership spirit by Dr. Dennis Deaton. You know, I was a 25, 26 year old, uh, former athlete that got out of sports that really didn't have a good attitude about life. And uh, he really just got me to understand that, um, you know, my destiny is in my own hands and what I want to do and how I want to own that. It's just where it all starts. And then, you know, I always had this, this bug of entrepreneurship. I like reading about businesses. I like thinking about starting businesses, just like so many people on the phone, you know, so I, that, that was where the MBA came from. And then, then the, the Wealth Factory course, honestly, was just um, me knowing that I didn't, what I didn't know about finances and wanting to have the responsibility of when I built this franchise system, that was always a goal. And that actually the idea of that came from the wealth factory was just that the responsibility to help emerging entrepreneurs with the responsibilities of finances and how I might be able to impact them growing their business or their life. And then my time with you, you know, I, I will just tell everybody over and over and over, um, you got to have a coach. You got to have somebody that you work with that holds you accountable. And, and Brian is that for me. He's that for many people, for high-level athletes, for for high performers in every single area. And so I'm constantly – I've always enjoyed being coached. I've always enjoyed the process of getting better. And then I've really enjoyed the most in sharing those things with other people and given that. And I, and I think this journey of, of just enjoying being coached started when I had those male leaders step into my life at the right time. 
Mm. I mean, I would echo that same thing. I think as a lot of our coaches on the call here with this evening of, you know, if I go back to a pivotal day in Phillips general store in Williamstown, Massachusetts, as I'm going into my freshman year of high school and coach John Allen, my high school football coach, you know, says, Brian, how come you're not coming out to football practice? You know, and next thing you know, I'm out there the next day and completely changed my life to Ken Revisa, whose face I have tattooed in my heart, you know, two people that were coaches that invested in me. You know, and one of the things, Mike, I love about, about being a part of fundraising university and coaching matters is how you continue to invest into the, the education of your franchise owners and of your team. And I had the privilege to sit, um, I think the first time that we worked together in Scottsdale at one of your annual meetings, and I got this to experience Dr. Dennis Deaton and something that he talked about that you mentioned that I think is a great characteristic of leaders. And it's something that the leaders on this call are going to have to deal with, with the people who they lead and the people that they get to lead is this idea of going from a victim to a victor. And there's nothing easier than playing the victim card, you know, whether it's throwing your back out on a run like I did yesterday and not being able to move or, you know, being a person who I got cut from a team or somebody whose business collapsed during a pandemic, whatever it is, right? Talk about the importance of not being a victim, but continuing to choose because attitude is a decision, continuing to choose to move towards the land of being a victor. Yeah, you know, honestly, that that was and continues sometimes to be my biggest struggle. And I know my organization feels it from me on the intensity side, but there's a part of me that's so competitive, and we'll talk about competitiveness, um, that me positioning myself as opposition to people around me is something that I constantly have to manage. So the way that you do that is you create adversarial situations to motivate yourself. I mean, that's the, the darker side of an alpha that I have competitively. And I remember when it changed for me, you know, Dr. Dennis Deaton came around and, you know, I was always the guy that was so competitive and this person got in my way and this person doesn't care. And that person's not motivated. And one day he just came and he put his arm around me and he said, Hey, Mike, nobody can hurt your feelings without your permission. And I thought, wow, that's powerful. And so it started with me just understanding that I had control of that, right? It, it was an environmental thing. Everybody that I grew up with, the expectations were low. You know, the environment wasn't good. People were being told that, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And, and there was just a lot of negativity that I was still transitioning through even into my mid-20s. And when he came along and then a coach, a leader, my coach at that time, a gentleman named Jeff Kerr that brought me into fundraising that was a teacher and a coach and, and actually a high school counselor. Um, and I didn't realize how fortunate I was. I met my wife the same year and, and I needed both of them, trust me. And uh, he was just constantly there. And he would constantly redirect me when I would get to that place. And when my attitude uh, shifted away from this whole, this whole victim thing, and I just took the lid off, hey, this is up to me. And there was no excuses. And it just became about competing to be my best. Just the whole world opened up to me. And that's why I constantly am always looking for these opportunities to get better or to do coaching matters, to, to share that with coaches or do our podcast for mental sports performance for kids. And just this whole idea of sharing just feels like it's, it's always been bottled up in me. And, um, and it, yeah, if you don't have a good attitude and, and you're a victim, it's a, it's a tough place to go. But and if we're all being honest and I'll be the first one to be vulnerable, it's an easy place to go. And that's why this whole, this whole process of, of sharing people with how to master the mental part of it, not just in sports, but as an entrepreneur, they're very, very similar that's what I love about giving this, that we're giving it to people. And I think that's one of the things that's great about fundraising university is we're aware, like we are aware that we have emerging and first time business owners. And if you don't master the mental part of prospecting and cold calling and 
and dealing that you're going to lose. We can give you all the action techniques that we want. We can give you all the systems and all the paperwork and all the CRMs. But if you don't master this mental part, you will not advance. You will not be successful and you'll never see that upside. So this, this mental part, you know, and, and Brian, you say it better than me, but it's the difference between, you know, where you want to be and where you're at. It's that gap. I mean, it is that gap that people don't understand. And that's, if I could sum it up in one thing, the gift that I would love to give to them and help you get that out of me to others is this, this part about mastering the mental part. So as you can't probably tell, I, I'm, per, I'm super excited. Well, like you talked about, Mike, we, we all have a gap, right? We have a gap in our business. We have a gap in our fitness. We have a gap in our finance. And that gap is where we are to where we want to be, right? So I think yeah. as a business owner, we're trying to help our, our customers, our clients, the people that we serve, we're trying to help them close the gap. And we're also trying to close the gap for ourselves. And I think when you look at closing the gap, GAP, gratitude, attitude, and process, and if you can be grateful for the things that you have and grateful for the opportunity that we have to, to, to be here together, to see each other, to hear from each other, if you can have an attitude to know my energy is a decision and you can have a process that shows you how you get to get there, that's going to help you to close that gap as fast as possible. Part of the process, Mike, and I know something that, that you're really passionate about is this concept of, of 1% better and investing into yourself for 14 minutes mm -hmm. and 24 seconds, you know, on a daily basis in you know, part of that investment is, is understanding, okay, if I want to become the best version of me, how do I do that in this concept that success leaves clues? So, you know, you've talked about leadership through the 10 pillars of mental performance mastery. And I want to share the screen here and kind of have, you know, have us walk through here. here what are the 10 pillars of mental performance mastery? You know, and, and what these are is this is a system that has, you know, we've uncovered here over the last two, two decades of working with some of the top performers on the planet and in the world, when it, whether it's six UFC world champions, a Heisman Trophy winner in Kyler Murray, four Cy Award winners, including Corbin Burns, who all post a podcast, because I know we always have people coming in and out, some, some first-time callers here. Here's a podcast that I just posted a link to with Corbin Burns, who's, who's a client, and he talks about over the last two years, his transformation from you know, being sent to the minor leagues in 2019 to being the best pitcher in the world. Like, how do we make that transformation? Not by accident. We make that transformation by intention and intentionally going to work to develop these 10 skills, these 10 pillars. So if we want to growth, if we want to grow, growth follows a three-step process. And step one is what we call a tile, total immersion learning experience, right? That's going through, for example, a, a certification course or going through a degree program or going through an onboarding or training. But if we can't stop there, step two is spaced repetition. And spaced repetition is what we're doing here with Coaching Matters. Every other week for the entire year, you get one hour of free group training like this, whether you get it live, whether you get it on our YouTube channel, whether you get it in the podcast. And the goal of the 2022 is we continue to build, right? One week is a focus on, on coaching practices, which are great for entrepreneurs as well. And the next week is focused more on leadership, which is what we're talking about here tonight, leadership through the 10 pillars. And then step three is an accountability partner, or a group or a team that you're a part of and a growth 
plan. So if you look in our chat, right, total immersion, spaced repetition, and accountability, accountability partner growth plan. And what we're trying to do as leaders is we're trying to develop these 10 skills. So Mike, if you would kind of go through maybe and talk about, you know, a kind of a 30,000 foot, maybe high level overview of how you use these 10 pillars in leadership, whether it be as a CEO, whether it be as a husband and a father, whether it be a division, as a division one college baseball coach in the importance of developing these 10 skills. Yeah, no, absolutely. Number one, it, it gives you kind of clarity and objective and ability to reflect, right? And this is something that, you know, and I know there's a lot of brokers on the call, the people that bring business owners to fundraising university, which I couldn't admire. I mean, for, let's be honest, I admire coaches the most, but people that empower other people to be entrepreneurs, what a gift, like what an absolute gift that that is to give. And we do that here and we do that with, with our owners and we do that with anybody that wants to interact and, and, and be part of the fundraising new culture. And you talk about elite mindset, right? So pillar number one, and somebody in every organization has to speak into what you want to become. From the time that we started, my goal was to have 200 territory reps who did an average of a million dollars in sales. And we had a $200 million company and wash all that away that we would raise a billion dollars for schools. We would have equipment. We would have safety. We would all this different th stuff that kids need, travel, coaches, field surfaces, uh, ability to go to Washington to be part of a leadership program. So you have to start with this elite mindset and thinking that there's an organization that can exist that can be a national company because it's, it's never been, it's never been, you know, organized that way. So, you know, elite mindset is just, um, it's where everything has to start. You got to start with that big goal. You got to think big, you got to speak into it and you got to be fearless enough to say things like, I want to win a championship. I want to be the best at this. And, uh, when you set that out there for yourself, um, it's going to elevate you. So that's how we use a elite mindset here, Brian. Yeah. Or, or I want to, I want to be an entrepreneur. You know, and as yeah, a guy that yeah. a guy that was a high school athletic director for eight years, absolutely loved it and saw the benefit of what fundraising university would do for our coaches and our athletes to provide them opportunities, whether it's coaches clinics or team retreats or getting a, a shooting gun in the gym so at, so players could work out year round without having to have someone else there. You know, and as somebody who stepped away from that into being an entrepreneur, that was a scary move. You know, so being able to have a network of people like uh, team members that have done that and can share that experience, right? Again, success leaves clues and there's two types of experience. There's expensive experience and inexpensive. And expensive experience is what you get from making your own mistakes without asking the questions. And inexpensive experience is what you get when you surround yourself with people like you and you hear and you share ideas and you're able to, to, to use other people's experiences to help you maybe avoid some pain and to gain pleasure a little bit quicker, but it's going to require a lot of pillar too. also Mike, which is motivation and commitment. Yeah, no, absolutely. The motivation and commitment and, you know, think about your own perspective. Those of you on the phone, whether that's coaching or, or helping business people or, or whatever it is. So motivation and commitment for us is, is we, we have to be the motivated people as the leaders. We've got to set up the lead and the lag measures. We've got to teach into what's going to happen. And then we have to, we have to create an environment where our leaders are motivated, but we have to expect commitments from those people that are involved. You know, we have a very, very high, um, very, very high expectation in fundraising university that you are a teachable person that's part of a system that you're going to hold yourself accountable and we expect to give a lot as leaders, but we expect people to be committed back in. 
And I'll be honest with you, you know, our commitment level in this organization is a big adjustment for a lot of people. And what that feeling of being part of something that has energy and that you're committed to and that feeling of being part of something is, is really what you feel come out of this pillar. And it's, it's, it's one that I think has the most chemistry, uh, you know, in it as well. Um, and then as far as focus and awareness, you know, obviously, you know, there's so many different business tools that are out there and Brian, you're really, you know, you've made the biggest impact on our organization on the focus and awareness part is because you've taught us everything from having an AM and a PM routine, how to manage the Google, you know, how, you talked about space repetition already. And, you know, you've got, you've got to have a place that you go to put down everything that you need to do. And then you have to have the awareness and you have to have those things in place, those triggers that we talk about to help yourself catch that. So with focus and awareness, where we use that the most is just in our weekly activity and helping our entrepreneurs build up this, uh, this weekly activity cycle of, of 2016 and four that we talk about. Yeah. And I think, you know, that we'll, we'll, we'll get, as we continue to kind of go through the pillars, Mike, I know we're going to talk about um, maybe the number one takeaway that, that the people on our call can use tonight to help themselves to create a process that's going to drive their results. And that's an app called habit share, you know, and we'll mm -hmm. come back to you and take a look when we get into pillar seven and eight time management and organization, you know, we'll take a look at uh, how to set up a Google calendar and use time blocks to maximize efficiency. But one of the things that you just mentioned was being competitive and, you know, as we've posted all the pillars inside of the chat here and a lot of our calls that we do in coaching matters are going to revolve around those pillars. I want to do a deep dive into the one that I think maybe, I mean, there's a lot of strong pillars for fundraising university, but maybe the strongest and maybe the one that I think uh, is the one that's most important, although it's pillar 10, you know, in, in, in the order of which we get there, I think one through eight are kind of individual skills. Like every entrepreneur needs to have those first eight pillars. But when you're talking right. about organization and joining a team and being a part of something bigger than yourself, we're looking at great leadership, pillar nine, which is the topic of today's call. But then pillar 10 is the right culture and establishing the right culture. And if I share my screen here, you know, I want to kind of use an opportunity here to have you talk about the culture of fundraising university and CEO street, and also talk about maybe the MVP process. So when you say competitive, like what the core values or the core principles of fundraising university, why is it important to be principle driven? And, and why did you in your organization decide on CEO street? Yeah, no, and I appreciate you bringing this up, Brian. I want to do a little bit of a backstory for everybody, you know, that's out there. And we're going to talk about a process that you can take yourself through to self-reflect and set goals. But this right here, when Brian did this with me one-on-one, -on -one, because the relationship started with Brian coaching me one-on-one. -on -one. He's now the vice president of sales with Fundraising University. And I didn't know how to define a culture. I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. Maybe that's that's too vulnerable, but I had no idea how to just intentionally, you know, you can say things, I want to work hard and I want to be committed and I want to care about people, but like to put that down in an organized way and to hold myself accountable to it and to speak it into the organization, I, I didn't know how to do that. You know, as a 45 year old that some people might think have had some success and Brian helped me do that. And these things that are going to, you're going to see right here, you know, competitive, um, you know, You've got to be competitive. You've got to be competitive with yourself. You've got to be competitive with others. This right here is the heartbeat of our organization. Everything about what we're doing is, is to drive and facilitate the highest level of competitive nature. And I think when you have that kind of thing, I mean, we do things like daily accountability calls for competitiveness. We, we set high goals. 
we do all those different things. And not only are these just acronyms or things that we say, but when we look to partner with people and we bring on new business owners or we hire reps or we're even interviewing coaches to see if they're the right fundraising option for us, it all comes down to this right here. Like we literally use these five things as our metrics to decide if we're going to bring people to join our company. And if you're not competitive, this is not the place for you. Like this is an organization on the run. It's an organization that's going to lead. And it's an interesting, you know, second one, that empathy part, you know, that's an interesting balance. Competitive and empathetic is very, very interesting. And, and that's where sometimes finding the right people that could join our circle to help us grow fundraising university has a little bit of a tug there because you have to be competitive. You have to want to go out. You have to want to be the best at what you're doing, but you're going to have to care about the people that you're doing it. We're going into schools and, uh, and you have to care about that. So that's a big deal. And then the other ones, you know, here we can go through, but just to hit it on a high level, you know, you've got to be organized. We're going to show you some ways that we stay organized. You have to be a self-starter. To me, the key ingredient of an entrepreneur is to be a self-starter and you have to be teachable. And that was the one thing that I hope that I would model tonight is just this teachability concept where I want to get better and I want to give that to other people. So fundraising university started by just defining like, what are the best characteristics of the best people that we have? And then how do we go out and continue to capture that and make it intentional to be cultural about what we're doing? Because if we don't build something from the beginning based on these core concepts, then um, you know, we're going to lose control. And then this exercise here, Brian, maybe you, you set up where the origin of it, of it was, but this was the next step for us when we defined who we, who we were and why, um, then we talked about how we get there. So Brian, talk about, you know, my, maybe why we're encouraging people to do this and then how we built this together. Yeah. And I think Mike, with your permission, I mean, I, I think, you know, we're, we're looking at the core values of fundraising university, but I think it starts with you. Right. And it starts with the individual because I think it's got to be in you before it's in what you do. And for the entrepreneurs on this call and the coaches that are on this call, we want to always start with the core values or the mission. You know, I call it, I call it an MVP process, the mission, why we, why we do what we do, the vision, what we want to accomplish, the principles, how we're going to behave. And we want to start with the team or we want to start with our business MVP process, but we got to start with us. We got to start with the individual because at some level, you are the foundation of the business as a people. We're all in the people business. And, mm. you know, Mike, with your permission, I'd love to share, you know, your personal MVP process and have you kind of talk through how you use this to help drive kind of your, your behavior on a daily basis. Would you unpack that for us? No, I, anything I can do to help. And guys, me and Brian is part of the coaching. I do this quarterly. Any of you that ever have done coaching or look for coaching, I'm just going to speak it into it because I believe it. Brian, he would be an unbelievable coach. He does the one-on-one -on -one stuff for high performers if, if, if he sees a match. But we do this every single quarter. Then I have habit shares that look at my daily activity and we spend time and, and we're not just throwing things down. This is very thoughtful and, and Brian moderates this and uh, it's phenomenal. Um, it, it gives me something to get back to every day. Right. And these are, if you think about this as, as goal setting. So the, the goals that Mike has around fundraising university support and his corporate sales goals and recruiting and franchise sales and the pilot program and all the different areas, let's say that he wants to go to continue to work, to develop himself. And then, you know, I'll do, I'll do a similar thing where I'll show you my MVP process here for, um, 
you know, quarter one, 2022 of what's my life mission? Like, well, how do I want to be known? What's my life vision? What do I want to accomplish? What is my quarterly vision for different categories? So, so I basically have two quarterly visions, my personal and then categories on the side of, for my wife, for our child, who's coming in six weeks, for my father, for you know, different, the different properties that we have, things we want to do to improve those. So this is like a really deep kind of philosophical, why do I do what I do? What do I want to accomplish in my life? What do I want to accomplish in this quarter personally? What do I want to accomplish in this quarter professionally? And then I come down to what are my personal core principles? And you'll see, you know, different areas. I started to put these three green apples because for me personally, my core principles are the acronym Apple. Just like Fundraising University is CEO Street. Mine are Apple, accountability, process, present, love, and energy. So you'll see the three green apples because the three green means go and we're moving forward. Apple represents my core principles and the three represents the three E's, educate, energize, and empower. So I think starting with a personal MVP process, and what I'll do here is, um, Mike, I'm going to put into the chat here. I'm just going to put this as an example. So there's an mm -hmm. example to my personal uh, MVP process. If anybody wants to, let me just do this again. Uh, if anybody wants to click, click on that and take a look, uh, let me make sure I can share this. Let me change that real quick to anybody with the link. Done. Perfect. So if you click on that link in the chat, you'll see my personal MVP process. Mike, can I share yours? Yes, sir. All right. So here's a link to Mike's personal MVP process. So now you have two examples. And, you know, Mike, I know one of the things we wanted to do specifically on tonight's call was give, you know, um, our call participants an opportunity to actually submit their MVP process to Lindsay. Do we want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things we're, you know, we're going to spend an hour once a month, we're not going to drag this out. We're not going to make it too much. We know that in this society, people are spending time on Zoom and we want to respect that. We want this to be a call that you're excited about. It energizes you and we're not going to create too much, right? But we're also not going to apologize about wanting to put you in a spot that this is actually impactful for you. So we're going to have one or two things every week that you know we would ask you to, to spend some time. And if you participate in that, it's just going to make these calls better and it helps us, you know, look for opportunities to give you some feedback or some ideas. So we're going to share with you, uh, you know, an MVP process. We'd like you to fill one out and, and upload it. And actually Brian is going to take a look at some of these himself and it kind of gives him an idea and a benchmark of where we can build some of this coaching into when we look at some commonalities. So we can begin to take these 10 pillars as our outline, right? But if we can extract from the folks on the phone and make it even more specific, then it's just going to get better. So um, you will find that to be uh, very, very liberating. And, and I would encourage you to invest the hour in yourself. It will absolutely make you better. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the next, the next step in that process is once you create yours, then we start looking at the organizational. So it starts with the individual moves to the organizational and it's got to be in you before it's in what you do. And, you know, if we look at the fundraising university MVP process, just like you saw the individual one for Mike and myself, and they, and they look a little bit different, but they follow the same process. Identify your mission. Why do you exist? And the reason why fundraising university exists. And when you, when you get clarity on why you exist, right, it makes adversity easier to handle. It makes success easier to handle. It makes waking up every day to do the work it takes to be successful at anything 
easier to manage because you know why you're doing what you do, right? Simon Sinek wrote a book and developed a whole brand. I begin with why yet most people never even identify why they're doing what they're doing. So the reason why fundraising university exists is we want to raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of interference. Well, well, why to support coaches and enhancing student athlete experience and life skill development. Right. And Mike, explain if you would, the, the, just the importance of, of that second part to the why of supporting coaches and enhancing student athlete experience and life skill development. Well, it just does so many things, right. It, it show it allows us to show our heart, right. Because at, at the end of the day, this is about us creating a process to educate people, to empower kids. Right. And so when people get a chance to see the heart of who we are and we state that and we have to act it and we put it into existence, it becomes real and it makes it easy to make the decisions that we have to make. When we have to make key decisions with our executive group, we're just going back to that and seeing where it fits in. Brian, one thing just real quick to, to add some participation. Uh, sure. Does anybody mind you know, sharing theirs or something like this or putting something in the chat? I'd be curious to see if there's a couple people out there that have something um, that's a mission that they live by as a person or as an organization. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know one guy I, who, who will have it, I'd uh, love to call on Kevin Guzzo. If you would join us, Kevin is an athletic director at St. Joseph high school in St. Joseph, Michigan and uh, high school golf coach and MPM certified coach. And Kevin, I know you've spent a lot of time working on the MVP process for the St. Joseph high school bears, as well as uh, for yourself. So let's go to Kevin Guzzo and then we'll, we'll hear from uh, coach Steve Shannon, Kevin, talk, if you would unpack kind of the importance of MVP process for yourself and as a leader in an apartment. Uh, thanks, Brian. Number one, thanks for having us. Thanks for doing this, Mike. Pleasure to listen to you. Uh, MVP process for myself is similar to what you guys have said that just kind of gets my priorities in line, uh, helps pushing me to become the best version of myself, uh, allows me to have goals for the year, for the quarter, uh, and just continually strive to, to improve. Uh, for uh, the athletic department that I run, it kind of puts all the coaches, student athletes on the same page. Um, we strive to get better every day. We, we have a mission of um, uh, becoming better through education and athletics to reaching our potential uh, visions, uh, compete for district championships, uh, perform high level training sessions, make sure our numbers are getting higher. Uh, and our core values, our core principles, we're the St. Joseph High School Bears. So our core values are belief, effort, attitude, respect, and accountability. So we, we work on those constantly. We have core value wristbands, core value shirts, core value posters all over the school. We make a pretty big deal out of it when we see our student athletes living by those core values. Um, I could, I don't, Brian, I could share my document with you and send it if you want it. Yeah, we actually, if you would, would you, would you post that in the chat, Kevin? So other people can get an example too, and maybe your personal and the one from the high school, which would be tremendous. Cause I think one of the, one of the added values that, that fundraising university can do is, you know, our, our, our team members all go through creating an MVP process for themselves. And when they've done it for themselves, the goal then is that they can actually go in to work with the teams that they're working with at the high school level and doing fundraising university, but it's, it, but be more transformational than transactional. I think if there's one note to write down from a leadership standpoint, it would be transformational over transactional leadership and transactional leadership is you show up and we tell you what to do and we lead, right? Where transformational leadership is like you show up for a high school sports program and give us four years and we're going to give you 40 years of development in return. And I think that's something that's, that's really, really important. And, 
something that, you know, really attracted me to get involved with Mike and fundraising university was that concept of transformational leadership. So, um, one of the questions that came in our chat was where to submit your MVP process to get feedback and submit your MVP. Going to post a link in here to, uh, Lindsay and her email address. If you want to submit it there, uh, we'll, we'll get those all put in one place and be able to give some feedback on that. Coach Steve Shannon, uh, if you would maybe talk a little bit about the, the MVP process for yourself and how you use that as well. Um, Thanks, yeah, Kevin. So, yep. So the biggest thing for me uh, was when we started this process, when, when you first came on board was we focused on the personal side. Of, and the one thing that uh, being part of the leadership that Mike challenged us to was to really focus on bringing that MVP process to the work side. So um, I can, if I can share my screen, I'll kind of put it out there and I'll put it in the chat as well, but, um, so everybody can take a peek yep, at this we, here. We can see that. Brilliant. Okay. So the first page, just like everybody else's is the personal side. So not only just, you know, how do you want to be remembered your gravestone, um, along with your telescoping vision, these are all, uh, family based. Uh, my core principle is care, um, communicate action respect and expectations. And my one word is finish. So taking that idea and then bringing it over to the work side, I, I was um, privileged enough to be promoted to be the director of franchise relations. So I now get to help others reach their goals, just like I did when I was a high school coach and teacher. So uh, throughout the quarter, we've got different calls that were on. We uh, broken down the um, franchise owners in the different developmental groups so that they can focus on the different milestones they need to get to as a franchise owner to make sure they're hitting certain marks. So we've gone through and literally broken down each and every responsibility I have within the company, uh, giving myself goals and giving myself a check and balance system to make sure that I am uh, holding myself accountable for everything that I need to do to make sure fundraising university is as successful as possible. So, and I'm happy to share that on the on the chat for everybody to look at as well. Yeah. I think, you know, it's always good to begin with the end in mind, right? Thank you, Stephen Covey. And I think if, if you know, they can see, you know, Mike's example and my example and, and yours and, and Kevin's, it's just going to give them a lot of ideas to say, okay, this is what the end and not that we're always under construction, right? There's never over, but here's, here's what the next step may look like for me to, to try to get there, you know, and once, and once you have that MVP process, um, you know, we then go looking at how do we do it from, from a, or an organizational standpoint. So we start with, with the individual and then from an organization standpoint, we come up with what's the organization mission, what's the organization vision. And if you look at the organization vision, it, it follows a staircase, which would be a process. And here's what we're trying to do, you know, to grow to where we want to be. Mike, you mentioned earlier about, you know, the $200 million, uh, company and, you know, the, the commitment to getting 1% better every day. And the reason why the commitment to getting 1% better every day and mastering the, the certification processes and our, and your, you know, our five, um, 16 and four is those are like the, the nearest target, right? 200 million to be, we're going to win the world series. This is, we're, this is, we're going to win the next pitch. And I think that's the importance of process and a process is a series of steps that you take. And also within this MVP, we have our core principles and how we define them. Because when you're talking about organization and, you know, a, a lot of people pulling on the same end of the rope, well, we can say competitive, but what's, what does that mean for us? It's find a way, not an excuse. We can talk about self-starter. What does that mean? It's my ownership of behavior and results. So 
you know, defining for yourself, if we were to outline what I would call the five steps to establish a championship culture or the five steps to enhance the existing culture you have, here's step one, identify your MVP, mission, vision principles. So if you're taking notes, you write down step one, identify. Step two, define. So how do we define being organized? How do we define what it means to be teachable? That's step two. Step three, describe the behaviors that align with those principles. So we call those above and below the line behaviors and, you know, above and below the line behaviors, you can, you could go in and do this with any coach, any team, any organization, because it makes, it makes sense that above the line behaviors, and you can ask yourself, what are the above the line behaviors you need to have more of? These are winning intentional on purpose where below the line behaviors are the ones that are like lazy, unintentional, not on purpose, losing behavior. And if you do nothing else other than sit down and write down, what are my above the line behaviors as a leader that if I do more of, I give me a better chance to succeed. And what are the below the line behaviors that if I do less of, I give myself a better chance to succeed. You're on the path to success. Mike, can you kind of unpack the importance of those above the line and below the line behaviors when we reflect on who we are as leaders and and performers? Yeah. Yeah. Two things. One thing I'll go back to in the pillars too, the most significant pillar to me feeds into this one and it's, it's it's changed who I, who I am the last two years. It's given me peace. Um, and it's made me a better leader as I continue to, to get better. I'm about, you know, 20% of the way there, but, but I'm getting there this process over outcome thing, guys. I mean, it is just absolutely a game changer for me. Um, and I think you'll all find that one or two pillars is that, you know, we had a facilitator come into the, you know, our university of Michigan baseball program. And he he couldn't quite find the words as he was going through everything, but he was talking to our athletes because he wasn't, wasn't as good as Brian Um, had to put that in there. He wasn't able to get them to understand that it's not how hard I throw, right. It's not how many runs we score. It's not my batting average. It's, it's this, this place where as individuals, the only metrics that we have is how many deals did I do? What did I sell? Did my team win? And, and all that pressure and all that manifestation of all those different things, it just overwhelms us and it locks us in. And when we can just take a step back and we can let go and say, look, you know, if I want to help 50 owners this year, you know, go into entrepreneurship instead of just writing 50 on the wall and I can just let it go and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to reach out and I'm going to meet 15 new people today and I'm going to share with them why it's important to be a business owner in their own personal growth. And when you can just get to that point where the behaviors line up and you can just let go of what the results will be. What I've found personally is number one, I can enjoy what I'm doing more. I'm definitely more present. I'm able to be a better teacher because I'm, I'm living in what I'm doing and I'm able to connect with the people that I'm leading way quicker. And the goals that I've set, I've trumpled because I'm just not so focused on them. They don't define who I am. My effort and my process are, and then that's me personally, where it fits into this when I mastered that process over outcome and we brought the organizational structure that Brian helped us with is where the above and the below the line behaviors came in. Cause it's like, look, you know, we've been in business for 20 years, fundraising university, but we've been a, an emerging brand is what we would be categorized at. And then we're bringing on people in volume, you know, 30 or 40 people a year. And if we're not very intentional about what we're building, then the, then the, organization will be built for us out of default on every single level. So if you look at our above and below the line behaviors, guys, they're built on respect, being on time, listening to somebody, 
you know, being respectful, being a learner. These are all things that that we can do. And, and I'll be honest with you, it, it might even sometimes for adults in our organization it might feel inappropriate, but we expect people to be on time. We expect people to call people back. We expect people to show empathy. And, and I will not waver off respect and discipline when we build our organization. And it's, and I, I have consciously made that decision that it's not going to be for some people because of it. It's just not going to happen. And these above and below the line behaviors are, are it. And we're in a society where we need to get back some of this, uh, some of this teamwork and respect. So anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Well, I think Mike, one of the things that you alluded to, right, is the concept of process over outcome. And when you start yeah. with them, when you start with your MVP process, and you identify those above the line, below the line behaviors, and you identify the goals that you have. Well, every, everyone will say, right? Trust the process, work the process. Mm. Well, this implies one thing that you have a process and mm -hmm. the process that, you know, we use across fundraising university and that I use as a mental performance coach, whether it be with, you know, Kyler Murray quarterback for the Cardinals who won a Heisman trophy or Corbin Burns, who went from getting sent to the minor leagues in 2019 to the signing award and the best pitcher in baseball in 2021. It's, it's a, it's a process that's available to anybody who's on this call. And I want to share that with them here. So it, there's an app that Mike, I know you use and Steve Shannon, I know you use and Steve with your permission, I'd love to show uh, an example and have you walk through how you use habit share. Uh, if that's, if that's, if that works for you. Um, and I can pull it up on my phone and you just talk through Ooh. it. Perfect. Yep. So, so the habit share app, right? If I share my screen and this is an app that, that you can get for free on your phone and it's basically your process. It's a checklist. I use it with every client I coach one-on-one. -on -one. I use it with every team I consult with, and we use it with every fundraising you rep because this is the process that you follow. And, and you know, if you're, if you're going to be consistent, awareness is the first step to growth. So if you'd write that down again, awareness is the first step to growth. And when you're aware of what your process is and you measure your behavior, right? Measurement is motivation. The things that you want to get better at, you have to track. And the reason why you have to track them is it brings awareness. So Steve, if you would, I know you've made quite a transformation yourself. Would you talk maybe about some of the things you have on here and how this has helped you become the best version of you? Yeah. So, uh, the challenge was, uh, over a year ago when we, uh, we met in Arizona and we started through the process, uh, I, I was 274 pounds and I'm 50. I, now I'm going to be 52. I have a 10 year old, just turned three year old. Uh, I had to get myself <laughs> into wraps, you know, being at home versus being a coach and active. Uh, so I, I set my goal to, to lose, uh, 30 pounds and I hit my goal. Uh, then now my goal is to, uh, take it down even more. I turned 52 in May. And so now I want to get back to two, I want to get down to 225, um, by the end of this quarter. And I want to get to 215 by the, my birthday in May. So, um, now I found in my, as I get older cardio and the, uh, some of the dumbbell workouts, you'll see, I took a week off. Uh, I tend to uh, overdo uh, the diet if I overdo the exercise. So I've got to pull myself back in on the uh, exercise portion to be more disciplined on the uh, food. And so far, so good. Um, recently dropped back to dropping weight again. So uh, that's my path. And this is focused on me. I'm not, this is, this has nothing to do with anybody else. I'm the one holding myself accountable. I have Brian, I have uh, Brent Maxwell, who's another 
uh, fundraising university rep, we hold each other accountable, but this, this is just for me. And it's just a check mark every day to remind myself that I need to get back on the horse. Love it. Thanks for sharing Steve. And here's, here's mine, right. And with the app, um, again, you just, you simply create this, uh, for process and this checklist and, you know, um, a process is literally a checklist of behaviors that I want to follow consistently. So, you know, did I see the sunrise Was my body weight under 188? I have some different, uh, technology I used to give me a recovery score. Did I make my bed? Did I feed the dogs, you know, different things that I want to do consistently in the days I do it, I check it green. The days I didn't, I check it red in the days I didn't need to, I check it gray. Well, the nice part about it is you can create three things using this app, three things that, that great organizations have. Okay. Number one, clarity. Number two, accountability. Number three, support. So when I'm working with, let's I'll show you Corbin Burns, you know, here's a guy who just wins a Cy Young is the best pitcher in baseball. After in 2019, he had a, he was, had one of the worst ERAs in baseball history. Well, look what he's doing. He's making his bed. He's reading Ryan Holiday's Daily Stoic. He's reading the mental ABCs of pitching. He's going through a 30-day program on mindset training that I put out that you can get on the athletes tab at briancane.com. He's calling Dr. Gilbert's success hotline. He's listening to a philosopher's note. He's working out and tracking that, tracking his rehab and arm, and arm care recovery, a shadow bullpen, a date night with his spouse, right? doing a meditation, listening to my daily podcast. So the, the concept here is this. It doesn't matter. I'm not as concerned about what you are tracking as long as you are tracking. That's the key. And what Habit Share does again is it allows you to create that accountability, clarity, and support. Clarity, here's what I want to do. Accountability, who am I going to share my habits with so they can see what I'm doing, what I'm not doing? Support, who's on the same mission as me that I can share my habits with where I might be able to see what they're doing and pick up some ideas. Because lions like to run with lions and sheep like to run with sheep right? So you have to surround yourself with people who are on the same mission as you. It just becomes difficult, right? When you're an entrepreneur, sometimes you're out there and you're a solopreneur and you're running by yourself. But when you join a team like Fundraising University, and Mike, I think this is one of the things that's so cool is, you know, you have entrepreneurs that have their territory, but they're a part of something bigger than them in a team where there's that, that team and there's that support and there's that, um, continual development. So I'm kind of unpack that if you would, for the entrepreneurs on the call of, how do I maintain my individuality as my own competitor and individual, but be a part of something bigger than me where I can use that as an opportunity to help me go somewhere I couldn't have gotten myself? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. And, and we're still working at getting better at solving that problem. But I can tell you that an example, our industry is just built on independent contractors, right? And I, I watched over the years, and that's who we compete against with Fundraising You. I watched over the years, those folks decline. And it was sad. I watched some really high performing, excellent former teachers and coaches and fundraisers that just being on their own with no process, not being part of anything, not being part of a group that grew, it created such a stagnancy in our space that we weren't bringing the best into schools for coaches and kids. So when we built Fundraising University, it was built on that whole tenant that like, we need to be a team and we need to be part of something and we need to have a place where people could go that they own a business, but they're still part of something. And you said it exactly that. We want that entrepreneur. We want that self-starter. We want that competitive person, right? It's what needs to exist when you have a business. But I see a lot of people become unfulfilled and become very transactional because it's their only metrics because they're just interacting with themselves or the customer and, and they, get, they get empty, you know? And I put myself in a lot of the consultants' shoes that are on the phone. You know, I know Steve who helps out um, our franchise 
process and our, our candidates. And I know in conversations with him too, you know, if you're at home by yourself and you're not part of something, you know, you're not going to get the best out of yourself. And that's why we wanted to do this. We wanted to get some people reignited. We wanted to get some people together. We wanted to share and, and create a group like this where we can just all get on the phone and share ideas and share books and bring in speakers and, and have speak people speak up and, and, uh, and create a team atmosphere. So um, really thankful to get to be part of this tonight. It's awesome, Mike. And I want you know, wanted to share a couple more resources, obviously calls to action, right? What are things that people can do to invest in them tonight? And that was one of the things when we came out of our first season of coaching matters in 2021, something that, you know, really stuck out in the feedback that we got from people because leaders are also learners, right? And there's no pride, no ego here, just trying to make progress to do this as best we can in service to others. And I love that mentality. I picked up from a, from a former Navy SEAL, Sean Haggerty, where he said, Hey, no pride, no ego, just progress. Love that. I thought that was so good. And, you know, so call to action one would be identify your own personal MVP process, right? So number one, personal MVP. Number two would be start to maybe think about your business MVP. Number three would be habit share and create your habit share and, you know, add, add, um, people in your inner circle and our next call, what I like to do on these calls is try to go into breakout rooms and we're a little bit short on time. So I want to be respectful of people's time, but go into breakout rooms where you have basically an accountability partner until our next coaching matters call that you can share your habits with, but let's have you get started with creating your habit share. And then another one that I love to, to recommend is, uh, that leaders are readers. And, you know, we use spend a lot of time in an app called optimize and optimize is, basically 20 minute book summaries. And as entrepreneurs and people that spend a lot of time in the vehicle, uh, I'll post a link here where you can get this app optimized for free, 20 minute book summaries, and then post a book list that you know we're going through on our fundraising university power hours once a month and that we're going through um, you know individually as, as members of team fundraising university where each week we have a book we listen to for 20 minutes, book summary in the car. And I think that's something that's been, that's been really good. But um, Mike, well, something you mentioned earlier with Steve Schick, and I would love to have Steve come in here and just kind of talk about, you know, his unique perspective and just kind of his experience with fundraising university. If you would, Steve, are you here with us? Yeah, I'm here, buddy. Awesome. Thanks for being here, man. Just if you would kind of from your perspective, just some of the things that, that, you know, Mike talked about from a leadership tonight and some of the development that we do with fundraising university and just kind of your perspective on, on some of the great things that are happening here. Well, there's an awful lot of people on the phone here or, or on this call here tonight that, that have known me for many years. And they know that I'm a very intentional person and that I, I care a lot about, I guess, doing things the right way. You know, I train for the International Franchise Professionals Group. I know not all of you guys are on that group, but I do train that. And, and, and my training is all about intention. It's about trying to help people empower themselves to find a better life for themselves and all those kinds of things. And when I got here to fundraising university, I mean, Mike's worried about how long I'm going to live. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest guy on the phone here, probably, right? But, but my point is, uh, I, you know, I, when I got here, I recognized that there was something more than just selling franchises here. There was a mindset that had to do with helping people just be better people to have better lives, not just better businesses, but better people. So the intention of the fundraising university model is to really help people to help more people and, and also gain wealth at the same time. 
There are a lot of people on this call tonight that have that are very, very good at what they do. I mean, there are people on this call that do seven figures a year because they're that good and they're here. And that was my point, Brian. We wanted to invite these people to get even better and be able to experience what you're you're doing, the culture that Mike's created with this company, and you know, and so forth. So I, I'm very grateful. Uh, for the opportunity to uh, spend some time with these folks again. Uh, and I, as I said, many of them I've known for many, many years, but I'm, I'm really pleased to be able to be here. And thank you for what you're doing, Brian. Thank you, Mike, for sponsoring this. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Absolutely. And appreciate everybody who's made it on the call tonight. I want to be respectful of your time. And, and last thing, posted in the chat, a link to my daily podcast. So you get a little bit of this a lot, right? I think one of the keys, threw a lot of notes at you, but one of the keys, do a little a lot, not a lot a little. And if you can be with us on the daily podcast and you can be with us here on Coaching Matters every other week, uh, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to be the best you in 2022. And I think that's the goal, right? The best investment you can make is into you. And if we can keep doing that together, high water raises all bolts and iron sharpens iron. And together we'll, we'll end up making the biggest impact and we can with service to others by becoming the best version of us. So Mike Bahoon, I'll turn it over to you for closing thoughts, man. Thank you for taking the time, Steve. Thanks for being with us, Steve Shannon, Kevin Guzzo. Thanks for coming on and sharing. Uh, Coach Bahoon, thanks, man, for your time and expertise on leadership and development within the 10 pillars. Yeah, thanks, everybody, for joining us. If you could, on your way out, just give us some feedback so we can continue to, to do a well, better how, which is a concept we'll talk about um, from call to call. But maybe a quick little statement on your number one takeaway, and then you guys have a great night till next month. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. So just posting here a number. I got, I got some people coming in for another call I've got right after this, but go ahead and post your number one takeaway if you would. And then any of the players coming in for our coaches and athletes group call, just go ahead and jump out and come on back in here at right at six o'clock and we'll get that going. So again, people on our call, if you would post biggest thing you took away from today's call and that's it. Thanks for checking out this week's coaching matters podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a subscribe and a review. Also, be sure to engage with us on social media here in the notes for the show. And remember, dream big, raise more, and coaching matters.